Hello, 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 and happy Saturday. Happy Saturday indeed. We are one week out until Christmas, and it is episode number 96 of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Dreamer. As always, we are proud to be part of the OutSports Podcast Network. That's right, one week until Christmas, though you wouldn't know it if you lived in the Boston area, my fair city, my hometown. It is 60 degrees at the end of December, and some may find that to be a little off-putting because, well, it's really not supposed to be this warm this time of year, but I say, hey, we'll get to the end of the world when it happens. Until then, I'm going to enjoy running outside in late December. I mean, what else can I do, right? Uh, Before we get started on the show this week and delve into our topics, I also want to thank a listener who answered my birthday call. Last week was my birthday. I turned 29 on Sunday. Pretty scary. I remember when I was first coming out as a young 20-something, I would see guys on the apps who were like 25, and I ran away. I said, oh man, when's that AARP card coming? Well, as it turns out, that had much more to do with my ignorance and stupidity at the time than actually... uh, what 25 represents, 25 is still such a little baby gay, and I, for one, am so ready for 30. I saw a tweet this week uh, from a writer, I don't follow her, but she tweeted out that she is on the cusp of her 30th birthday, and all her friends tell her that it's all over once you reach 30, and she was looking for some good news, and I said, hey, I don't have any good news for you. If you're straight, yeah, life is over at 30, married, marriage kids, suburbs, you know, a great Friday night is cuddling up and watching network TV or whatever straight people do. We know they're not watching Bravo. Uh, (laughs) But if you're gay, 30s, oh, life is just beginning. As I see more and more of my friends enter their 30s, uh, I can't wait to get there either. Just like your 20s, except you have some money and hopefully a little more maturity. And hopefully it's a little less messy. Uh, Though, can never, can never be cleaner than I am. Let me tell you. Maybe not. All right. We'll, we'll leave that subject there. But uh, yes, I did want to thank a listener who answered my birthday call. I said on the show last week that if you wanted to uh, send me a gift, I was accepting Venmos for overpriced cups of coffee. Cost about $5 and change for a mocha latte, whatever the hell I order. And one listener, Juwan, did answer my call. Sent me $5 and change on Venmo. So thank you, Juwan. And I will enjoy my mocha latte, schlatte, whatever it's called, on you. So thank you for that. And oh yeah, I'm accepting Venmo uh, gifts, by the way, all year long. Not just on my birthday, not just around the holidays. Alex Dash Dreamer on Venmo. Come on. Feed a starving artist. Okay. So last week on the show, I spent a lot of time talking about Leah Thomas, the dominant Ivy League swimmer who is trans. She is uh, dominating on the women's team at UPenn after racing on the men's team for three years. And I, I, not to toot my own horn, but it did mean a lot to me to get positive feedback from a few of our trans listeners. Uh, 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 Carly Webb, of course, one of our great contributors at OutSports, and Kirsty Miller, who's been a guest on this show before, a trailblazing trans athlete in Australia, former prison guard. She has a great story. I interviewed her was it earlier this year? Anyway, 
Search it on the archives on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you people listen to the show. That was a good one. But to get feedback like that from folks in the trans community, especially Carly and Kirsty, and two people who really uh, are into these issues and know everything about them and have studied them, it, it, it was it, it was pretty cool to uh, to read that. So thank you, ladies. Uh, for doing that, and it's it's it will remain a very interesting story because I even saw it this week. More right wing coverage of Leah Thomas, more smearing of Leah Thomas, and as I said, the LGBTQ media is to blame for a lot of this because they are ceding the floor to anti trans forces on Leah Thomas because her story does not fit into. The neat narrative that so many of us, myself included, have spouted for a long time, and that is, oh, trans participation, you got to do it because it doesn't even really matter anyway, competitively. Trans athletes are not winning. That's a myth. Well, now we have one who's not just winning, but dominating, and she's following NCAA rules. So the NCAA needs to stand up and explain why Leah Thomas is not cheating. We in the LGBTQ community need to stand up and explain why Leah Thomas is not cheating. And this is what we want, is it not? We want trans athletes to compete in accordance to their gender identities. That's what she's doing. And we want them to do well, do we not? And that's exactly what Leah Thomas is doing as well. But the more we stay silent about this, as I said last week, the more we will continue to cede the floor to anti-trans forces on these kinds of issues who, of course, have no nuance whatsoever because that's not in their best interests. So I'm sure we'll talk more about Leah Thomas as the months progress here. But the big story in LGBTQ sports news this week was WNBA legend Candace Parker publicly coming out. She came out on Instagram this week. On her two-year wedding anniversary, Parker announced her and her wife, Anya Petrakova, are expecting their first child. Parker already has a 12-year-old daughter, Layla. So the post uh, that Parker made was great, and there's a beautiful collection of pictures as well. Uh, She said, I got to marry my best friend in front of her close family and friends. My heart could have exploded. I cried like a baby. To know me or you... It's to know our love. This journey hasn't been easy. I am proud of us and what we have built and who we have grown to become both individually and together. So a lot of thoughts here. First one is, I am very impressed that Candace Parker, again, one of the best WNBA players of all time, a multi-time WNBA champion, an Olympian, was able to keep this under wraps for two years. I mean, that is very impressive in today's social media age, 24-7 news cycle, really amazing. So that's number one. And I can't imagine how hard that must have been for Parker and her wife, Anya Petrakova. They had a small ceremony two years ago, got married in front of close friends and family, but nobody spills the beans to the press. You go out together, you're not photographed holding hands or doing anything romantic. I mean... It must have been really hard to live that life, to be privately out to family and friends, but not be publicly out. I mean, that for someone with the status and fame of, of Candace Parker, uh, that must have been really, really hard. She's an NBA analyst on TNT as well. So she's certainly not shying away from public life. She's a big part of it. Uh, so I was just very impressed by that. And 
it leads to the greater question, and Sid Ziegler wrote a column about this on Outsports this week, and it's a good one. It leads to the question of, why do athletes stay closeted? And one of the reasons that we often cite is athletes stay closeted because of casual homophobia in the locker room. Athletes stay closeted because they are afraid they won't be accepted in their sports. Athletes stay closeted because they're afraid that sponsors will leave them. Uh, Those are the reasons, right, that we hear why why is there a dearth of out pro athletes, especially on the men's side of things. Well, for Candace Parker, those commonly cited theories do not apply. I mean, she plays in the WNBA, where a whopping 25% of players are out in LGBTQ. The Chicago Sky have three out players themselves. Stephanie Dolson, Allie Quigley, and Courtney Vandersloot. And Quigley and Vandersloot are married to one another. (laughs) So clearly, Candace Parker was not concerned with being shunned by her teammates. Her teammates are gay! And 25% of players in the WNBA are publicly out in LGBTQ. And no history, uh, no sports league rather, uh, in North America has a richer history of publicly out athletes. Some of the biggest names in the history of the sport, Cheryl Swoops, who came out in 2005, Sue Bird, Elena Deladon, Diana Taurasi. I mean, even if you're a very casual WNBA fan, I'm sure you've heard of most, if not all of those players, they're all out. So Candace Parker probably knew she was going to be accepted in the WNBA, probably knew she was going to be accepted on her team. Hell, maybe she was already out to her teammates, coaches, and other players around the league, but yet she did not publicly come out until this week on her two-year wedding anniversary. So why? Why did Candace Parker stay closeted for so long? It's a reminder that athletes are people too. It's a reminder that athletes don't only live their lives in locker rooms and arenas. They have parents. They have belief systems. They have all sorts of factors they must consider before publicly coming out just like all of us. They have the concerns and fears of their partner to take into account as well. I'm sure Petrakova is more private than Candace Parker. She played professional basketball in Russia, where the climate is not hospitable to out LGBTQ people. So maybe that played a role in why Parker waited so long before coming out. Uh, publicly at least. She's also played professionally in Russia and China. So that's the reason why it seems like Candace Parker stayed publicly closeted two years into her marriage because of all these exterior factors. It's just a reminder that we can't say, oh, you know, why are there no out, out pro athletes? Well, or, or, or so few out pro athletes. Oh, it must be all the, the terrible bigotry in sports. No, I mean, in Candace Parker, that's clearly not the case. It just shows that athletes have a lot of other things that they must weigh, just like all of us. So the Candace Parker story is a great example of that. And again, kudos to her. Kudos to her for coming out and doing it in this incredible way. And I'm sure it must feel good. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I do think that 
sports culture plays a role. As I said, we have a dearth about male athletes in comparison to female athletes. I think that definitely says something about the climate of male sports versus, versus women's sports. But again, it's just a reminder that these issues often go much deeper than just uh, you know anti-gay slurs being overheard in locker rooms. So it was a big story. People do care. Those were our Candace Parker stories this week were widely read. So take that to all the trolls on Twitter and Facebook who responded to our Parker posts with who cares. As we covered a few weeks ago on the show, who cares is now code for I hate gay people. The bigots are a little more clever than they once were in the Westboro Baptist Church days. They no longer say I hate gay people because that could get them deplatformed. So now it's just who cares? Yeah, who cares? Isn't that what you want? No one cares about your sexuality? Well, yes, it is what we want. We want to be equal. We want to be accepted. We want to be embraced. But saying who cares is not embracing us. That's just saying who cares? We don't care about your story. We don't think it's significant. It is significant. Everybody who comes out is significant. And now one of the greatest WNBA players of all time, Candace Parker, is out publicly and proud. And, you know, what is interesting about those comments, and we see them increasingly on Facebook in particular for stories that we post, they are vile, especially when we post about trans and non-binary athletes. But we always ask the question in our Outsports Slack channel, all these people who say they have no interest in reading about LGBTQ athletes, why are they on the Outsports Facebook page? Why are they following our content? Now, I'm sure some of them like to hate follow, but why does it have this reach and get to all these bigots and anti-LGBTQ people? And the reason is, I think at least, the Facebook algorithm. I mean, we read so much about how Facebook prioritizes engagement above all else, how Facebook wants its users to engage with content, stay on the platform for as long as possible. And of course, people engage with content that they hate. <laughs> people engage in content, uh, you know, in polarizing content. So this is, I think, a real world example of that, where we are seeing this mountain of anti-LGBTQ comments on our Facebook posts when we post our stories, and why? I think it's this Facebook algorithm algorithm pushing engagement above all else, no matter the cost. I mean, no matter if you're a subject of our story, it's a big day for you, you're coming out, you're sharing your story, you're on Outsports, and then you see on Facebook all these horrible comments, and they're not, they're not people necessarily following out sports. It's the Facebook algorithm getting content in front of people that they know they'll engage with. And when people are angry, they typically engage more. That's just the way it works. That's human nature. So stoking the outrage flames. Facebook has done that for years. We've read stories about that. We know about the algorithms. And in Outsports, I think the last several months in particular, we've really been experiencing it on the ground. And it sucks. So if you're listening, Zuckerberg, change that. Change that. Can you change that in your metaverse? Thank you. Ah, so I go from one topic that makes me angry to another. Colton Underwood. Talked about him a few weeks ago on the show. His coming out Colton series is on Netflix now. I have not mustered up the time or energy to watch it. I would like to, though, because I would like to, watch, uh, to write a review on Outsports. 
So I've said it publicly now, so hold me to it. But Colton Underwood, I had a lot of trepidation about the coming out Colton series based on the trailers, based on the synopsis. It seems so lame and tacky. Gus Kenworthy is Colton's gay guide. Oh my God, now he's going on Grinder. Oh, he's wearing bad jeans. Like, ugh, so middle school in these days, especially. I mean, really, how junior high is that? Well, the Netflix series is not getting rave reviews, as one would imagine, and Colton Underwood is not helping his cause, at least in my eyes. He was on the Call Her Daddy podcast this week, formerly of Barstool, or still of Barstool Sports, right? They, they broke up. There's another, the other, one of them is hosting another podcast. One of them stayed back to host Call Her Daddy, which I'm sure zero gay men listen to. Um, well, Colton Underwood went on that show. And he talked about his closeted life as a football player. He was, of course, in several NFL training camps, including with the Eagles and a couple of other clubs. And he talked about how he felt in those locker rooms. And he says he never showered with teammates, so he wouldn't be turned on. This is exact comments. I never really was attracted to anybody who I played with, so it's sort of silly to even say that. But I wanted to avoid any chance of being outed, so I would not shower with the rest of the team. Oh, I mean, oh, how tired and trite is that narrative? Gay athletes, can they shower with their teammates or will they just get turned on and want to fuck everything in sight? I mean, really? And Colton Underwood is proudly saying this? This deep reveal? I was afraid to shower with my teammates because I would get a little erect. I would get an erection. And they would notice and then make fun of me. I just see naked men and I can't help it. I get hard. I mean, how stupid. And for him at this stage in his life, I think he's 29 as well, to reflect on that and like on the call her daddy podcast of all places like come on man i mean th- th- colton underwood and his coming out journey really seems like it's stuck in 1997 or something I-, I mean or at the latest 2001 20 years ago you know i remember when michael sam was at training camp with the rams and ESPN ran that ridiculous report about him showering with teammates, and Chris Long and others rightfully lambasted ESPN for going with that storyline, and now Colton Underwood, seven years later, is is dredging that up again. I mean, just really, man. Come on. We're so far past that. I mean, Carl Nassib, thankfully, I've not seen any showering stories with him. So, just juvenile. What a silly topic. And then he also said that he would hook up with men who he thought were straight in their real life so he could protect himself. He said, I don't think there was any man that was going to be coming out to get me because it would be outing themselves as well. It wasn't like a ton of men. It was like a few, and they never had my real name. That's sort of how scared and secretive it all was. And I get that, and everyone has their own story, and we've all done things like that. But... At this point, why is Colton Underwood making all of that a central part of his narrative? Why can't his narrative be about, and he's had a checkered past with the restraining order, 
his ex-girlfriend filed against him, and he has a lot of things to address. And why is he promoting his show on the premise of, I was a closeted football player, afraid to shower with teammates because I would get hard, and I hooked up with other closeted guys because it was like mutually assured destruction. I wouldn't out you, you wouldn't out me. And if we did out each other, our lives would be over because being gay is so terrible. Come on, Colton. Just weak, weak stuff. So I look forward to watching this week, maybe. <laughs> but uh, hey, thank you as always for listening to another episode of the Sports Kiki, episode number 96. As always, if you, if you have any show ideas, topics, concerns, feel free to hit me up on the Twitter machine. At AlexRumor1 is my Twitter account. That again is at AlexRumor1. So long. Talk to you all next Saturday.